Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Warden. My guest today is Jill Gordon-Smith. Jill is based in her native Australia and swapped a very happy career in the airline industry for small-scale wine growing in her native Australia and also wine education. Jill, um, it's great to speak with you again. You are a living and breathing acronym. You're a great student. You're a great teacher. So hopefully you're going to tell us a little about your previous career and then how you got into wine having your own vineyard so i've had a few incarnations in my lifetime um so i grew up in mclaren vale and uh was in the wine industry when i was quite young so working cellar door at 15 illegally and i somehow ended up in the air for Qantas, flying with Qantas for 20 years and flying around the world tasting and uh, uh, trying you know, different wines and right. so you were just telling us a little bit about your early days yes my my flying flying career flying drinking i actually flew around the world just tasting and visiting different wine regions just actually you know it was fantastic i called it the Qantas scholarship because it just kept giving and uh, I left and in 2009 and went back, jumped back into wine in quite a big way and uh, um, started a new label called Fall From Grace, also a bottle shop which sold international wines. So that was sort of, and minimal intervention wines too in McLaren Bar, which was a bit of a, a very interesting thing to do in McLaren Bar. I used to have winemakers come and taste wines and pour them down the gutter because they uh, weren't used to the different flavours or you know couldn't imagine those sorts of wines. But we've been 10 years now in the region. So that must have been quite a big thing in those days, the fact that you'd, you know, you live in a, a, a very well-known and very well-respected wine region in Australia. You travel the world, you fell in love with wine more you know via your airline experience and then you come back and sort of not saying educate the natives but you've obviously been a force for um, including a force for sort of diversity really for sure because I, we've now been in business for 10 years and we've you know got a bottle shop now and a big tasting garden and, and bar and we're the place where the locals now come to search out those sorts of wines, which is fantastic. But, it, you know, it wasn't always like that. But especially because, you know, McLaren Vale, we've been, well, 80% of McLaren Vale Shiraz and um, we have about 6% Grenache. And in those days, we were just starting to plant alternate varieties. Mark Lloyd was planting Sangiovese, of course. He spent a lot of time initially. We had um, alternate varieties being planted here, which was fantastic for the Vale and I think really started to show that innovative side because, you know, we're we're a coastal region. We're not very far from the sea. Um, In fact, when you look down from the top of the Victory Hotel, which is our big pub, which has got a fantastic cellar, you can swear you're in Sicily or Sardinia. It's just sort of, you know, a really beautiful region and one that's really embraced alternate varieties and a region that's very Italian in nature. So we have the Barossa, which is very German. It's interesting that you've planted multiple Chiano in your in your little vineyard. I mean, you talk about the sea, uh, and you, on, you've got the sea on one side in Australia where you are, and also hills on the other, which is not dissimilar. Yeah. And so, does that was, was that why you planted multiple Chiano because it reminded you of, of Abruzzo? 
It, look, I think we're at the time there was just we're just looking for varieties that could handle the heat and didn't need you know a lot of water. And Italian varieties really sort of fit the bill. And also we have about 600 people from Italian descent living in McLarenville. So it was a very Mediterranean area. So it sort of fitted our food, those sort of styles of wines, fitted our lifestyle. And um, now I think, you know, we, we've got about 48 growers growing Nera d'Avola. We're growing Montepulciano. We're growing lots of Sangiovese now. A few other sort of different, interesting uh, whites. Fiano's become a fantastic white for McLarenville because we're not a region well known for our white wines. Um, I think, you know, there's only about one decent Chardonnay that we make in the region. So we're really been a red wine region. So Italian grapes and Mediterranean varieties have made a real difference and been embraced by some amazing winemakers. When did the Italian um, influx begin? Was it in the last century or was it later than that? For Italians coming into McLarenville in the 40s, really, when a lot of Italians settled in the region. I mean, they'd always, they came into, a lot of Italians came into Australia um, sort of in uh, the, the gold rush and then in the 40s. So in McLarenville especially, we had a lot of Italians settled here because they, you know, it reminded them of home. So we have a lot of people from uh, Malise and Brookside living here. And um, yeah, we have uh, a really awesome lifestyle. Lots of olive, olive groves. There's you know, um, amazing olive olive oil uh, grown here. Lots of really great you know, seafood and, um, yeah, a pretty good lifestyle, actually. It's actually been a reasonable place to be locked down. So, the, I mean, the Italian contingent, sorry to, to keep on about this, but do they, do, they also, do they also sort of cook Italian as well? Oh, absolutely. Give us some typical dishes that they cook and, and with your local wines as well as, um, you know, Italian wines, some food, some of your favourite food. We're sort of, you know, we have lots of amazing wood fire pizza restaurants here. We have lots of squid. So beautiful. Oh, salt and pepper squid is just fantastic. It's just caught in the golf out here. Lots of pasta. It's really, we, have, we actually have a bocce club and once a month they have a big pasta break up. So um, we have, uh, yeah, some fantastic restaurants, all seasonal foods like Slopian Inn. I don't know. Did you come to the, have you been to the Slopian Inn when you came to McLaranda? I don't remember that. No, just a fantastic regional restaurant, just using, you know, amazing produce you um and you know, it goes really well with, with the wines that we grow here tell me about your um love of um studying and your love of um teaching yes i really i do i really love to study i love to challenge myself i'm sort of um fairly competitive with myself and um you are you are a walking acronym you know you've got so many letters after your name you know iwe bia well, that's, that's the most important one. That was the most exciting one because that was the most challenging one. Run through about all, all three of those. So what is an IWE? That is an Italian wine expert with Vinicius Academy, which is fantastic. And that was, uh, yeah, that was the most exciting. It was, it was hard. It was awful. I failed the first time um, and then came back and, and tried again and then tried for expert and uh I think got about 87 points in that one. And then in Hong Kong in 2018, I um, made a decision to really, you know, put my head down and pass. So it was a fantastic experience. So I had to uh, pass the exam and then come back and pass the, pass the blind tasting. Have you always been a good student? Yeah, I have. I'm really, I was one of those awful kids at school that always studied and uh, really enjoyed it. You seem, um, you know, like a, I'm not saying a party animal, but you you combine fun with sort of seriousness and um, that's what makes you such a fascinating person to be with. No, but you're, I mean, you'd be such a great teacher, you know. 
because you can get your you get your point across very well and very clearly, and you can identify with people that struggle with um, with with education, and um, that's why it's so good to have you in the program. What makes a good student? Well, oh gosh, I just think anybody that's really passionate or or inquiring has an inquiring mind, you know, and just keen. You know, I love I love seeing people succeed especially the ones that when they first you know come to a class or a session are not confident but they really put the effort in and and they work really hard and and they get good results no it's great i really enjoy it i've got a few more years left in me but i think um i've been teaching now for well over 20 years Do you get feedback from students who obviously have done the learning bit and then they work, up, for example, in a hotel or a bar or a restaurant selling Italian wines? I mean, have they seen a pickup in um, purchases of those wines because the person talking about the wine actually knows what he or she is talking about and has that enthusiasm? Has that, has that been a sort of a... Definitely. We, we run a lot of courses for professionals or you know, professional development courses. And to, just to see people when they're confident about a particular wine or a particular region, so easy to sell it because, um, you know, you can answer queries. You, you, it's just having that, that empowering people. So you definitely see that pick up. And I know that you know, Ian Harris would have talked about uh, that when you spoke to Ian because there is a real difference when you empower people and give them tools and give them the information. They can pass that on to, to the, you know, the, the customer and definitely increase sales. Because you're just recommending different wines. If you like this wine, you're going to love this wine. Or if you drink um, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, you may enjoy Vermentino or Grillo. So it's, yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's a really good tool and I love it. I'm, just at, I'm at the end of a big, big year though. This is the first year I haven't been on a plane in about 42 years. And um, just being in one place, I have just been... Yeah, constantly on the go this year. It's uh, we had a little bit of a, a break during our first lockdown, but yeah, no, it's just been so busy. Yeah, it's crazy. We've had more students than ever teaching virtually, of course, which has been fantastic experience and a good learning experience for us and for the students. It's a really different uh, ball game. Have you been doing homeschooling? Yeah, we have a little bit. I mean, my son's actually physically in school now because they can social distance and because we've got a low uh, risk in our area. So he's very lucky that they've got um, that face-to-face contact with both the, their friends and also the teachers. So that's pretty good. When you're judging wine, what what do you look for? Well, I personally, I look for a couple of things. I mean, I always look for balance and, and I like texture. I look for texture. So good balance, good texture. I like a good balance between the fruit and the structural elements, but also drinkability is the main thing I look for. I want to, I want to, you know, when I'm judging wines, especially if I'm, you know, wine without walls is just the most fantastic judging experience because you really get to look at personalities of wines and how they make you feel. And uh, so for me, you know, I look at all the standard things. We, you know, we've all had trained palates, but it's that extra, that extra extra factor that that uh, beauty and that uniqueness of the things i look for so you like the wine with our walls just the wine Walls section is uh, basically the organic and biodynamic and natural wines uh, that are judged separately uh, in Italy International. And um, it's good that we've got them separate. I mean, do you, do you think that's good that they're, they're on their own little table or do you think they should be melded in with all the other wines? Yeah, I, I think it's good that they're, they're looked at on their own, in their own section, because, you know, we, we look we look for a few different things than you would in, in just the traditional 
normal, normal wines. I mean, I just love the fact that everybody gets even quite excited about another tables. You know, they come and bring things over to us all the time and say, this should be in your section. Um, and that always makes me laugh because I think we have some of the most pure and beautiful wines in that section. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, f- I find them easier to judge the organic and biodynamic and natural because they're normally less alcohol and they've got a much nicer acidic, acidic spine. Oh, and that beautiful freshness. So uh, this is kind of like an advert for organic and natural wine at the moment. We will move on to a less uh, salubrious uh, topic. Is there still a lot of mansplaining in the wine industry? Do you find that? I mean... Oh, God. Give us an example. Come on. Oh, dear. No, I won't start. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, it, I've um, just recently I had to do a speech for an award that I received and I decided to be really quite honest and blunt in it. And um, it was received really well. And I was talking a little bit about the lack of diversity in, in, in our wine industry and in a lot of the wine industry around the world and, and about the fact that you know, there was not a lot of women, and especially in the natural wine sort of um, scene. I was at a tasting a couple of months ago and I looked around the room and I was again after you know, 10 years of going to these tastings, the only woman in the room. And the other girl that uh, was going to be coming couldn't get a babysitter. So I actually got the shits on a little bit because I thought, you know, there's so many amazing female winemakers or just winemakers who happen to be female in uh, in our region. And uh, they just seem to be overlooked. And it, that does give me the pip, actually. It irks my pickle. <laughs> So, yeah, I've, I've sort of challenged some people to do something about it. So, yeah, we're really working hard to try and get more women out there in the industry. And personally, this vintage, I'm going to have a couple of young female students working in our little winery on their own project. So doing a bit of a, a cooperative project because I think we need to push women forward and make seats at the table for them. And unless we get pushy and unless people like me who are getting older and really don't care um, what other people think at the moment, uh, say a few things and uh, speak out, I don't think it's going to change. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of mansplaining going on in the industry and a lot of women just get on and do it. Yeah, I mean, um, probably going a bit off topic, but my editor, my, my one of my main writing things is to Canton, I have a female editor there. And obviously you've got Jancis and Julia who are sort of beacons of uh, brilliant journalism and writing. And then you kind of uh, look around and you think, mm, there aren't, I mean, there are so many noisy, noisy males and we need a few more um, females to, to come through. I don't know how that's going to happen, but uh, hopefully it will. So we did the mansplaining. So what, so what, talking about mansplaining is one thing, but what about what annoys you the most um, in wine writing, style of wine writing or the topics that they've chosen? Yeah, I, it's funny. I I, um, I always used to, you know, I follow, used to follow quite a few different wine writers and I like to hear stories about the people and the stories behind the wine. You know, I really don't, I think, you know, we can all make up our own minds about whether we you know, like particular wines or what we think of them, but I really like to hear about the stories. So writers, you know, that interested in the people behind the wines, they're the, the ones that I, I enjoy the most. Love Andrew Jefferson. I love the way he wrote. Um, but I don't read these days a, a lot of wine writers. I'm sort of um, – I have a, a couple of people I follow, but – I don't really even follow reviews. Have you have you thought about writing a sort of autobiography about your your time in the sky and? Um... Oh, I don't. It's um, yeah. I have got some stories, but that will require a drink on a few of those. But yeah, I've, I've had a great old life. In you know, Qantas was fantastic. I met 
so many wonderful people. I had, you know, a lot of fun. And um, it took, you know, when I left, it took a while to sort of get over that. I, I still miss the crew. I actually started during COVID. I um, started a little wine group with some of the Qantas crew that were laid off because, of course, all the airlines lost their jobs. So we had about a key group of about 30 people every Tuesday night. For, started off for four weeks and ended up about 25. And um, we're still meeting every, you know, na- every now and then on a Tuesday and talking about wine. So, you know, the Qantas family has really stuck around for a long time. It's it's uh, was an amazing life. And it makes me quite sad to think that, you know, a lot of young people won't ever get the chance to do that because I don't think we'll fly the way we, we, we've been flying. We won't be travelling the way we've been travelling. It's uh, been something I've been really thinking about during this, this period because I miss Italy so much. I didn't, you know, I've probably four or five times a year I've been travelling to Italy over the last 20 years and, yeah, really missed it. I mean, missing out on the craziness of in Italy. Um, we were really, you know, excited about coming over and, yeah, that it's that's just been something that I've really, really um, missed this year is just, you know, coming over, seeing all our friends, hanging out with everybody. I mean, just such a, you know, a great time. It's such a beautiful culture and, um, yeah, really can't wait to get back. Final question, probably penultimate question. Um, as a wine grower, how is Australia meeting the challenges regarding climate change? We are choosing climate appropriate varieties, which is the the word. And I think that, you know, that's something that is really important. We're so lucky to be able to, you know, choose from such a wide variety of grapes now that are in the in Australia, Chalmers in Mildura, just such a wonderful family that have had a big association with Europe, especially Italy, and they have a great nursery. So they're you know, they have varieties in there that are just coming out now. So for Pato's a great variety that's going to be um, planted pretty soon. I think Chalmers have got that in their experimental vineyard. A lot of, you know, that's how we're, we're meeting climate change, really. We're planting in, in cooler climate areas, so Tasmania, trying to go up a little bit more into the hills and, you know, where we are really looking at varieties that are going to work for us and that, you know, don't require a lot of water and, and can handle the heat because it's just getting hotter here. It really is. We've had a massive, you know, change in our temperature over the last sort of 20 years. So we have to pick varieties that are going to work for us. We've just had a first major heat wave, Monty, so um, of the season. So I do a, a podcast with James Hook um, out in the vineyard once a month called Crop Watch. So we do, we just go and have a look at what's happening. So um, yeah, I think that's these, these varieties that suit um, our climate much better that that's going to be our major tool okay final question you can have a vineyard anywhere in italy with any great variety where would you go Oh, oh, and that's really, really hard. But, but, and I've actually been looking around a lot. I think I go to Abruzzo, and mm-hmm. I think I would love to have a vineyard there. I think it's it really, you know, it's not as uh, as well known, of course, as Piemonte and um, and Chianti and and where you are in Montalcino, which is just wonderful. But I'd really like to go to Abruzzo because I think that there's so much to discover in that part of Italy. So that's where I'd be hanging out with Cristiana Tiberio. And and the dog, learning an awful lot about Montepulciano and uh, Trebbiano de Bruzzese, and that's where I'd really like to be, I think. Interesting, because it's a very maligned, much maligned region, just thought of as bulk, uh, bulk wines, white or red, and um, often with those bulk areas, um, there are actually jewels hidden away um, that people often ignore. So I think that's a very interesting choice that, you, that you've made in Australia, obviously for your climatic situation, it makes sense what you're doing, and of course it seems natural that you would want to go there, gravitate there if you did live in Italy. So um, anyway, um, it's really nice to talk to you. 
Oh, it's really good to talk to you and we and we miss you all so much and we can't wait to get back there. And, um, yeah, I hope you're all staying safe. Yeah, hopefully we'll get you. If, if we get you for a third interview, you will be the record-breaking podcast appearance uh, winner, okay? All right, Jill. Jill Gordon-Smith, take it easy and good luck with, uh, with all your wine growing and, and everything else that you do, your educational projects. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right, mate. Take care. You too. Be good to good to talk after vintage. Goodbye. See you later. Ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.